it's a pretty devastating couple of weeks for the football club. Um, we really put ourselves in a good position post round 23 and um, we got outplayed. Uh, I, I thought the contest was still good and I think fans can show, we, could, we, we showed fans that we still had an appetite for the contest and we still worked incredibly hard but um, when push came to shove and the pressure was right on, our fundamentals were just a little bit off and other teams were a little bit cleaner. And Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop Hen Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim, and I am joined each and every week, as always, by my co-host, Simo. Mate, I've got way too much gusto in my voice for really the occasion that we've come <laughs> that we've come together oh, tonight. It's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 taken a few days. We're um, we're still still uh, letting the dust settle a little bit, but uh, mate. Hey, how, how you doing? Can you can you keep it to ten seconds, or is it going to go too long? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, I was dis- disappointed, bit flat. Um, looking at the positives, there you go. There's ten seconds. Yeah, no, nah, I I like it. It's um, oh well, well, at least at least tonight we're we're able to. This is obviously the first time that we've really kind of delved into well, one what happened Friday night, and a little bit more into the D season and looking ahead, but we're fortunate enough that we've got a special guest to help us with that. So Shannon Gill from Code Sports is going to help us uh, go through a few of those things, which is which is nice because I think, yeah, I think I think it could be a three-hour pod if it's just you and me talking, um, even getting some of the fan comments as well too. I think the immediate reactions is all going to be, it's all, it's everyone's passion. They're laying everything out. I think we're all, we're all felt it. We all felt it Friday night and, and for the rest of it. So uh, we won't, we won't touch on that too much more now. We'll, we'll leave that to our chat with Shannon, but um, quickly with the news, a little bit going on. Dog is, dog is going home. That came out yesterday. It's probably the, yeah, one of those things. We probably all knew it, but didn't want to believe it. Mm, yeah. It's a hard one. I, I was on the front, on the fence. I thought, I mean, look, we're right in the window, but then obviously one of the Perth teams is, but one of the team Perth teams isn't. So it's going to be interesting to see what transpires there. I really appreciate what Dog has done, and you know he's labelled just a WA club. He hasn't specified which club. So I think you know at Hardy wants the best thing for our football club, and look at, at the end of the day, he's going to be throwing a pretty decent you know offer his way. But look, we can just thank Dogger for what he's been able to to achieve in his three years at the D's. You know he was able to win. You know, a rising star war, but most importantly, the premiership. Like he's and he's, you know, you gave us something to be, you know, to be hopeful about, and yeah, to get the to get the premiership to the club. I mean, I mean, what can you do, really? I mean, he's not he's not quite like Tom Scully. He's a bit better than Tom Scully before he <laughs> left. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, we're gonna get some severe value out of him, no matter what it could be. I mean, I'd, I'd love to get a Grundy in a first rounder. That's what that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I mean, it, it could be really interesting with Grundy and Gorn, but you know, just for what that sort of potentially could bring. Like, I mean, you know, even like a Hayden Younger potentially and a first round pick. I mean, that'd be a pretty good, um, pretty good steal because well, Hayden Young's pick seven back in the day. So. I mean, yeah, before we do get into that sort of stuff, I mean, it's, yeah, it's cool to sort of think about, you know, in hindsight, what could happen there. But yeah, bit bit sad, but disappointed, but looking at the positives again. Nice one. All right. And quickly, before we get on to our chat with Shannon, uh, VFL continue their strong form into the grand final against Southport. That, that takes place this Sunday, I think, if that's 
That's correct. Uh, Sunday, Saturday? Yeah, Icon Park, which is really yeah. interesting. I thought well, they normally have it at, um, at Marvel. Marvel. So, no, Marvel. Uh, Marvel. Um, so, that's, yeah, it's really interesting that that's happening. Um, but anyway, I wish I could be going, but I've got to watch my twos and 19s playing in the granny. So, that's going to be a pretty pretty uh, eventful day with, with that. And hopefully no phones come out at Mad Monday, as we've seen <laughs> in the news. But we yeah. won't dive into that one too deeply. No. Um, but yeah, yeah, grand final Sunday. Um, Casey coming up, you know, they've lost one game for the year. Southport, pretty hard to read considering that they've got no AFL affiliate. So, you know, they're from, I believe they're from Queensland. Um, <laughs> you have no idea, do you? Nope. <laughs> um, I think got a few ex-AFL players, but yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see how they stack up. But I think more importantly, I think we're really wanting to see um, you know, JVR, I mean, all eyes on JVR, you know, Wiedemann, Tom McDonald, how those three forwards sort of go together. But Wiedemann's been more of a ruckman, which has been, you know, quite interesting to see. So could they be trying to mold him into Doggy's position? You never know. Um, but yeah, other midfielders like Dunson had a super year, was in team of the year. Um, yeah, uh, other performance performers. It'll be interesting to see which AFL players go back and play and who's eligible to as well. So yeah, it looks like we'll have a pretty pretty stacked side considering our injury list. So, yeah, stay tuned and, yeah, watch it on Sunday. Sounds good. Sounds good. Not looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's get to our chat with Shannon and, uh, yeah, try and um, process some of, the, <laughs> some of these thoughts and feelings that we're all having. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but it's, yeah, it's been a severe block on any AFL media for the last few days. Just try not to think about it. So I think this will be some good, good, good therapy, I think. I think we all need it. It'd be good for our mental we health. Do. So, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's see you All right, Simo. Well, we're very fortunate to be joined by our next special guest because I think that this conversation could go very differently if we didn't have a third party involved, mate. It could get uh, <laughs> could get go downhill very quickly, and we could get spiraling into a bit of a black hole. But we're very, very lucky to be joined by Code Sports journalist Shannon Gill, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully, you can uh, help us make a little bit of sense of what happened on last Friday night for the D's. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I wish it was in slightly better circumstances than we were celebrating a, <laughs> another trip to, to a preliminary final. But um, yeah, th- thanks for having me on. And, uh, I have been a listener of your podcast over the last few years. So an honour to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you've just come off the, uh, you said you had the AFL Awards last night, which must be an exciting thing to be a part of as well, too, is... Uh, you're feeling a little bit dusty this morning. Big night then last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, it was the AFL Media Awards, and as these nights go, it's it's um, it's Chatham House rule, so I can't reveal anything that happened no. on the night other than the award not. winners, um, uh, which you probably would read about on Twitter today with all the different um, news outlets trumpeting their wins. But uh, no, it's 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 just a it's a I have been once before, but it's a yeah, it's a it's a very industry kind of night, um, but but yeah, it's a bit of fun. And and to be honest, I haven't been out for a long time, so I, I had a couple of drinks, and uh, it was uh, maybe a good way to to try and commiserate what we saw at the weekend. Hundred <laughs> percent. And look, to be honest, also, um, Shannon, I I've taken a big fancy of Code Sports because 
you know, or being a real super coach, Nuffy, and I keep always seeing code sports popping up. Can you tell, can you share with, with us and the listeners, what, what code sports does for super coach? Look, I could tell you more about what code sports does with, uh, with deep dive journalism. I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a super coach, uh, Nuffy that could give you all of that, but as far as, um, what sports goes does as, as far as, as far as a news or, 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 um, uh, features kind of website is it's basically it takes your um herald sun daily telegraph that sort of sports content uh and you get it all there with the, with a code subscription but you also get code exclusive stuff which includes super coach stuff but also uh the sort of deep dive and features which are sort of the sort of things that i that i write <laughs> and and others like uh dan journey who i know has been on the podcast before linda pierce who is, is another Melbourne supporter and has um, been riding on uh, on footy and all sorts of sports for many years. And other guy, um, others like, like Paul Amy, who does some really good stuff on community footy and and, and those sort of stories for Code. Uh, and that's just talking from a from a from a footy sense as well. There's uh, obviously lots of other stuff on there uh, with other sports. But that's it's a it's a subscription website. Uh, it's launched last year. I'm new to it all uh, and jumping on board this year, but it's been a lot of fun and uh, I can um, recommend if you want to read um, good journalism and just some average journalism like of mine, <laughs> but, uh, jump on board and, and join up code. There's a pretty, pretty good deal. I think at the moment, which is a dollar for the first uh, two months to, to be a member and you get access to all that. But uh, I, I think with, with super coach heavy people too, that there's, uh, there's certain um, upsides for that for super coach too. And what a, I suppose what a time to be writing about football at the moment. There's been a lot of narratives and storylines over the course of the season, but you know, from a, a neutral supporters point of view, we're shaping up to have a pretty exciting, uh, you know, couple of weekends of footy coming up. And some of us would be hoping that we're looking at maybe a, a, a blockbuster Geelong Collingwood grand final, but uh, how, how's these last few weeks been for you in September in terms of just watching and, and getting a feel for finals footy, which, Melbourne hasn't tasted for you know the best part of of two years now. Yeah, so let, let's let's park aside uh, my D's allegiance for a minute. But uh, I, yeah, I, I went to both um, Melbourne finals and and I'm um, lucky enough to to get a seat at the grand final with a, a ballot win this week. So I'll be looking forward to that as well. As as far as again, as I said, parking the allegiance for the minute. I think it's been a really good season of footy uh, and I think it's been the more, it's been more attractive footy than we've had for some years. Uh, I'm sort of very much of the camp that high scoring is better footy and scoring is up a little bit, but I think, I think overall the, the game is looking more attractive, which is not necessarily related to scoring, but the, I think that, you know, a lot of people have, uh, have, Criticised the stand rule, but I think the stand rule has been a win in my book anyway for creating less congestion and more um, flow in play. Uh, I think we're going to – I mean, we've already seen, obviously, seen some great finals. Unfortunately, our team was on the wrong end of two pretty good finals games. Hopefully, as neutrals, we can we can now watch some stress, stress-free stress good finals and enjoy them for what they are. If you want me to pick a winner, I have to say I've, I've, I've thought all year Geelong looked the best team and and, and better than us. Uh, but I, I'm super impressed by Collingwood 
and and I don't think you can write the swans off. So I, I think we're I think we're really um, we're primed for a a decent a, a pretty decent grand final. Whatever whatever combination of teams comes in, if if Brisbane somehow flukes its way in, it, again putting aside our heartbreak, it would be a huge story the way they've got to what where they get. Uh, and yeah, I I I think it's going to be a win a win a winning sort of a, a day. Whatever combination we get. Hundred percent. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the Collingwood narrative would be probably the biggest one for me. I mean, coming from seventeenth last year to, you know, into a prelim this year, just you wouldn't have heard about it. But just the work uh, Craig McRae's done with that side and all those bloody close wins, which much to my despair and much to people that don't like Collingwood's despair. But yeah, just the narrative that they're they're riding is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's it's it, you you spot on there. Uh, it's. As Melbourne supporters, I think we, we are we are conditioned to dislike Collingwood. Uh, uh, park parking that again, Collingwood have become weirdly likable this year. I, I'm finding myself sort of enjoying <laughs> their story, uh, and maybe that's maybe that's the the journalist in me that's coming out <laughs> rather than the Melbourne supporter. But but it is it is as I said the narrative of of what they've done this year is quite amazing. I'm sort of I'm I just continue to marvel at Scott Pendlebury. I just think he's an amazing player, and I think he's I've actually spent the last 24 hours deep diving on him and writing some stuff on him. And and, and I just think even in the the heat of what we're seeing and everything that's that's changed with Collingwood this year, you've got this one constant um, being being him. And and in all those tense final minutes that we've seen. Again, you know, against us, against in in the second game against Carlton, uh, even in last week uh, or the other week against Geelong, um, Pendlebury is just this this calming presence for Collingwood. I, I just think it's a really interesting interesting thing that he's doing that at the age of thirty four, nearly thirty five, uh, and he, he still does it week in week out. Yeah, it's probably the only thing that's good about Collingwood, to be fair, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's definitely my favourite player. Mind you, he was a Melbourne supporter growing up. So hopefully he comes back one day he's as an taste. assistant coach for us or potentially <laughs> a senior coach. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got taste. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> well, I think we've ignored it long enough. Thinking back to Friday night, as you said, Shannon, like it's, uh, it was bitterly disappointing and it's certainly taken us a few days, no doubt yourself as well too, just to try and... Yeah, comprehend what actually happened and think that we're not actually part of this weekend. We just sort of was just chatting to Simo before uh, we jumped on, and and yeah, it's probably an eerie feeling to think that yeah, you know, only two months ago, well, probably three months ago, it was ours to lose, and then and then now we're staring, you know, not belonging in the top four at the end of the season. And Friday night, unfortunately, just went exactly the way as a few of those losses have gone and there's been some pretty common trends that have really been popped up but oh, I don't know mate after that first quarter I don't know about you at quarter time but I was feeling pretty good uh, that the game was clearly in, in our control and we had everything in our hands we probably should have been two three goals up a little bit more and taking our chances but yeah there's some uh, some ugly uh, you know deficiencies kept rearing its head and, and um, you know now we're sort of sitting here thinking what could have been the first 15 minutes i was i was pretty happy with what was going on 
Uh, I reckon the next five minutes, I was a little bit concerned because we we probably missed two or three shots that were, I won't say that, I mean, they weren't easy, but you, you need to take it, need to take those half chances, you know, like the harm snap and that sort of stuff. I, I feel like those are the goals that we, we need to be kicking and, and I think they're the sort of goals that particularly Sydney last game nailed those chances, which, which really, which really hurt us. So I think uh, it was just those, the last, I mean, clearly that that last goal uh, in the, in the second quarter with what 14 seconds on the clock or whatever it was, it, that was a real deflator because I, I felt like we deserved to be further in front um, at quarter time clearly, or should have been further in front. I thought Brisbane got back into the game in the second quarter, but we had sort of been able to hold, hold our, um, you know, hold that lead. Going in with a twenty-eight point lead would have been, would have been, I think, a, a, a decent, a decent reflection of our of our work in a decent position. Twenty-two point lead just took the edge off it a bit. Um, I was still concerned at halftime, and and you know, the third quarter obviously. Um, didn't didn't allay my concerns at all, and <laughs> even going into the last quarter, I, I got to say, I, the realist in me thought the mem, the mem, momentum had had shifted completely, and um, we were we were right up against it. As you said, the, the deficiencies that we've seen through the year, I think um, they were the same deficiencies that we that occurred in in um, in the second half this week. So I, I try to like look at things glass half full in the. I think we know what's wrong. Uh, so, so yes, we have to fix it, but I think we understand what's wrong. We know that we, that as a as a team, we still have one of the the best lists in the league. We have a situation where even yes, we've lost to a lot. Of, we've lost to a lot of top eight teams in the second half of the year, but we've never really been blown off the park in a full game sense we've actually blown them off the park to a point and then completely, completely fallen asleep. <laughs> so it's worrying in one sense, but I think, I think it shows that the, you know, we're not far off it. I think it's a cliche, but it's, it's very hard to do twice in a row. And I think particularly when a club um, and, a, and a playing group, to be fair, hasn't been there a hell of a lot. Yeah, we got there 2018, but you know, we didn't play finals in 19 or 20. You look at Brisbane, for example, who've effectively been a top four team for the last four years straight, or top five or top six team. Um, you, we haven't we haven't been around the marks. So as good as what we think we were, this was always going to be a really big challenge. The, the first ten games, I think, relatively soft draw, and I think there's some some deficiencies were hidden. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about next year at this point considering other things that other things that we'll probably discuss as well but uh but i probably wasn't in the camp even at 10 and zero that this is ours to lose i I thought things aren't looking looking as good and then when those three losses in a row i I must say in my heart of hearts i thought a premiership would be a hard it would be a tough tough gig um, after those three losses it's hard to sort of decipher it all, isn't it? You know, you mm-hmm. go from last year just fully complete, complete opposite would blow sides away in the second half, and then yeah, you know, reverted back to having second half fade outs. It's it's just things like what's what's gone wrong? Have we not changed anything over the off season and just kind of stuck to our guns? Which I think a few players 
or the club's kind of come out and said that we haven't really tinkered with much. It, it, that's what the way it looked. And, you know, sides were able to find us out and, you know, adjust mid-game to make it quite difficult for us. But I think we're still going to take the, as many positives out of this as possible. And I think that's the only way we can go about it. Like we're still, like you said, you know, we're, we're still in a pretty big premiership window. Um, obviously losing Dogger won't be fun, but um, you look at players that could fill the void and it, a really, really solid contributor was Harrison Petty. Like he, he was probably our best forward and he was there for 10 minutes, which is <laughs> just crazy to think of, but you know, could they, could they pose a threat? Like he's, is he going to be a match winner? Can he go forward? Can he play forward potentially and for the whole time? But we know how good he is down back with the other boys. But yeah, it poses a real interesting, um, yeah, an interesting choice for us as a football club. I, I think I think Petty. I mean, Petty's form last year was obviously very good, but I think it probably it became more. He became more important as the year went on with with you know obviously injuries and 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 May's absence um, through other other means as well. Lever missing games here and there, and probably not being as as effective this year as as last year. But his consistency throughout as a as just a week in week out, very good AFL player. I think um, is is something that is probably the the big upside and uh, of of our players this year. I would say he he's a player that has improved simply because he was able to back up and do what he did at, at a pretty young age. Um, again. The 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 petty to forward thing is a really interesting thing. I mean, if you remember back to his first few, I mean, he, his initial games he played as a forward, right, um, yeah. and and he and he did a few good things from memory um, in in those games without you know, without starring for a guy who had only played a few games of footy of AFL footy. So yeah, it it might be, and 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 I think you've you've probably hit the nail on the head a little bit there about doing things differently. Again, the the inexperience of being the hunted. Um, it sounds like a bit of a cop out, but I don't think you know it till you till you it. And we haven't had three years of sort of around the mark in prelim finals. We had eighteen, and we've had a break, and we've come back and and, and did it all in 20, 2021. I, I think there's there's probably some lessons in what you need to do to ensure you improve year on year and. As, as much as in the euphoria of last year, I was not necessarily thinking that, hey, if we go, if we come and do this again, we just win the flag. You know, other teams will improve. We can't expect to have a, as good a run with injuries as we did in 21. It's really going to be really interesting to see what they do in the offseason. And, you know, the whole the, the whole Grundy thing is a, is a whole <laughs> um, thing that I think every Melbourne supporter is sitting there going, Wonder. So how is this going to work? <laughs> what are you thinking? So it'd be really interesting to see. It's, I mean, it sounds as if it's, it's, it's as it's on. If it's as it's on, and I, and I don't, I'm, I'm a journalist, but I'm not that sort of journalist. So I don't profess to have any inside knowledge about trades or anything like that. But from everything you, you're told, it's on. What, uh, what the the Grundy plan is, and the grand plan involving Grundy and Gordon, Gordon and, um, and and whoever else to try and. Um, improve our forward efficiency is going to be really interesting, and I, I, I look forward to the the explanation at some point. There, there'll need to be some sort of explanation about what they want to do beforehand, even if it's not the detailed explanation. I think just to just to give supporters a bit of a sense of why. Quickly going back to when you talked about, I suppose, being the hunted, and 
I think that the last two finals and you, even hearing Chris Fagan talk about it afterwards about watching Sydney and what they did to us and how they've taken from that as well too. And I think over the course of the season, pressure for us has been something that when the pressure's been on us in our back half, we've really crumbled and, and we've conceded really high points off turnovers as well too. And, um, you know, making the ball, you know, making it a dirty ball going inside 50 makes it really hard for our key defenders, something that we build our game upon so strongly. It's, you know, it's the backbone of everything that we do. That's where we've been, able, you know, we've been unfortunately conceding really high scores there. And I think that was a key difference in those two mm. finals there, which I think, again, from a, from a coaching point of view, you said like the things that we've gotten wrong have been really clear. My concern is that those things have been clear since about round 11. And it's whilst you don't want to go and change, you know, your whole game plan, you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but we managed to probably come back and win when our backs are really on against the wall, uh, up against the wall. You talked about those three losses in a row. We come back and we beat yeah. Fremantle over in Perth. We beat Brisbane here and then over there as well too. Say we drop one of those other games, I think a few more alarm bells start to go in because I'm probably of the mentality I was thinking about, right, when everything comes down to it, when everything matters, we're playing cutthroat final, we've lost our first, you know, we've we've used up our our first chance. It's gone. Sydney, no worries. Like, they're a fantastic side. I was really hoping that against Brisbane, any Melbourne supporter walking into that ground or turning on their TV to watch that game wouldn't be confident of winning, putting everything aside. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, hoodoos, past performances, everything aside, just to actually sense the moment and live up to what they've strived to do. And that's achieve success, albeit a semi-final win in front of the fans at the G and it didn't happen. And I think for me, that's probably been one of the biggest disappointments is, uh, yeah, probably walking away from that ground. And Shannon, I, I completely um, make that same connection with you about sitting there in the fourth quarter and probably from about, yeah, pretty early on, probably sitting there and just being very quiet and just sort of yeah. realizing what's unfolding. And even in that last little hurry in the last few minutes, you know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be up to that. And uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know that, that for me was, um, yeah, I think that was the biggest kick in the teeth. I think that's what made it yeah. so hard. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, the, the, when we, we got back the two goal advantage sort of late in the third, late in the third quarter, you know, there's, you, I hope, I hope that okay, we've woken up. We're going to right this wrong. We're going to go in with a two goal lead, and we're going to grind this out. But I think that the leaking the two goals at the end, particularly the last one, was just a, it was probably emblematic of of the year in some ways um, of us still being still being very competitive and very able to do some of the stuff we did. But not being, but not being able to do it with the the care and fanaticism in a, in a defensive sense that we could do that we did it last year. So, uh, look, in some ways, would a would a preliminary final berth that that we lost heavily to like I'm just speculating that let, let's say that we we did get get knocked over in a prelim if we had made it through would that have Papered over some cracks that we probably need to address. Uh, I, I think all year the 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 I mean the major problem that we're talking about here is that going forward is that we haven't had a a, a system that's actually can able, seen us able to convert um, efficiently in the games that we have played well. That's worked, but 
but too often it hasn't worked. Uh, I know that, you know, having spoken to a lot of Melbourne supporters in, in recent years and, and friends and, and whatever, and I, I'm not sure if you guys are the same, I know that within at certain times that uh, Tom McDonald is a bit of a whipping boy uh, for some Melbourne supporters. I'm I'm not of that opinion um, because I I just think he is very important to our structure. If you look to 2021, grinding games where things didn't really go smoothly. I'm talking about the Sydney game and there's a couple of others. Invariably, it was it was actually McDonald that was the one that that ended up being our forward um, presence that that won us the game. Basically, um, I mean that's that Swans game in twenty one is a is a classic example of it. But he's yeah. but he did in other games too. And I and I feel that he's he's a guy that he doesn't he doesn't get the the recognition and and, and I feel like sometimes when when we're really humming with. He's, he's almost surplus to requirements to a degree, yeah. but when things aren't going well, he's he's the guy who actually actually can conventionally lead. He's very strong. He's strong aerobically, um, decent. I mean, athletically he's good and he's he's fairly dependable athletically. Good kick for goal generally, uh, and he's actually not bad at creating goals. And he can he can rock in the forward line too, and, and I think quite frankly he's a much better um, and stronger body than Ben Brown. And as a rucking option in the forward line, I think I think that was another thing that we 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 lacked um, because we had to have Max down there more often and so forth. So I think I think Tom McDonald, while I I don't try and say he's in our top ten players, structurally I think he's one of the more important players. So it'll be really interesting to see what they go with. Um, I'm sure, like every other Melbourne supporter, we've you've you know you've heard people <laughs> saying that we need we need to pick Van Ruin now, um, and, and I, I kind of get that. I wish I wish they had have picked him at some point in the year just to freshen the team up, just to give an opportunity. Yeah. I think that's where we probably went conservative, but that naturally happens when you have a Premiership team that you and you trust Premiership players. That's uh, it's probably something that that um, we'll learn that you can't keep things the same you've got to keep evolving and and i think whether whether whatever happens with granny whatever the plan is the simple the simple act of going and doing it is probably a sign that okay we are trying to improve because we and we're going to try and aggress, aggressively improve be interesting to see how it works i can't wait to be fair i mean can you imagine that you know two all australian ruckmans running around it'd just be like you said before just poses the you know, the the what ifs and what that will actually look like. It's completely nuts. And, you know, it's good that you're talking about Tommy McDonald. I thought he was pretty good in the VFL too, which, you know, which mm. we haven't touched on just yet. But um, Casey being in the grand final up against Southport, which would be good to see Tom McDonald and how he works with um, JVR because potentially next year those two boys can, you know, potentially replace Dogger and, and Ben Brown potentially. And I, I don't know. I think Ben Brown's one of those players that's had to play completely out of out of his out of his role. To be honest, he's a lead up forward. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not great in the body contact stuff. So, yeah, it'd be cool to see those boys back in. And um, like you're saying, I mean, just just rejig something, just change it, and go away from the norm. Because you look at the selection for the Brisbane game, you think, hmm, all right, Spargo's had an injury cloud. Frida was playing, I think they come out with an actual proper injury, which he probably shouldn't mm. have played through. Obviously, Petrarca with his, you know, with the crack at the hairline fracture in his leg. And 
Malsham as well. There's an injury cloud. So there's injury clouds left right and center, but you know, we'll, we'll just back the side and yeah, we just played it safe, which, you know, turns out to be a pretty poor choice in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, yeah. Hindsight's a, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think if they had their time again, they would have, yeah, they, they would have, would have blooded Van Roon at some point in time just to, just, just to see how, how it, how it went. I think they kind of got locked in without McDonald. It, it forced them to go a certain way. I don't think it would have been, it wasn't going to work to have a Brown and Wiedemann together, but they've tried that and it hasn't worked. So I think that the decision was made that, okay, we're going to, we're going to go with Melchman. Clearly Melchman played some good games that, that got us there. So, and, 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 and you know, played a slightly different role in in in, in a, as a defensive sort of forward, which which is not something that we do often, but it, it did work a couple of times to a degree. So I, I get that, um, but I think it, it it opens up the the potential rejigging of of things. I think we have got a I think in the forward line for all the for all the issues in the forward line, we have a pretty unique player in Fridge who is able to do things that not many others can do. Um, and, and we need to find a way to to enhance that that asset we've got. Uh, now, if that's a, if that's a situation, if you know whether Brown's in or not, but if if McDonald's back, I, I like a McDonald forward line because I think there's just more movement with a McDonald forward line, um, and, and it doesn't mean he's the one getting the kicks. I think sometimes if <laughs> the uh, the criticism becomes because uh, oh McDonald's hardly had a touch, yes, but his movement. Has has ensured that we we won. Don't dump the ball down the line like we have like we yeah. did in the second half of the year this year um, as much because he does he is a traditional lead up forward who has the strength to be a lead up forward in, in congestion. No, I, and I don't want to criticise Ben Brown because I think as I said he's, he's sort of he's a guy being asked to do things that he's not necessarily built to do later in the year. But yeah, McDonald can do that. Whether whether that's a Van Roon or whether it's someone else who comes in and is doing something else i think we just need to make sure we find a way to enhance the the asset we have in fridge he's he's the in-between in-between size guy who i think is as good as anyone or, or in in the league in that sort of in that sort of sense think about it, you know nearly 120 goals in, in two successive seasons it's it's pretty impressive we do need to make sure that we build around and uh, making sure that we're allowing those players to flourish and i think you're right about Tom McDonald being one of the keys. You don't want to heap the pressure on him, but being that key to, to unlocking that movement in the forward line. Uh, but I suppose while we're on, you know, looking ahead, off-season focuses like yesterday, the world's worst-kept secret came out with Jackson requesting the trade, uh, which really gets our, our off-season and, and trade period and, and draft stocks all, all getting into motion a little bit earlier on. Shannon, I don't know about you. Were you, were you expecting that? Was, it, was that the gut feeling? Uh, look, I was expecting it. I know there was there was sort of whispers in the last few weeks that maybe maybe you know it had swung back our way. I yeah, I, I was, I, but I I couldn't find anything that was definitive or, or um, reliable about what that was what where that was coming from. I, that's been the that's been the the message all year that that's the case. I'd certainly in my head had. had um, you know, effectively understood that that was that was a done deal. It was over. As as excited as we were last year about Luke Jackson, I think as a putting putting a supporter's hat on, um, let's let's look at okay, his contribution in the second half of the year, whether it was 
through being under the pressure of, of this contract discussion um, or not was pretty ineffectual, I thought. So I, I don't I don't think losing him is going to take us out or of calculations, you know, like you know, in, in that that loss is not gonna is not gonna harm us to a degree that we we need to adjust our team, you know, where we think the team's gonna finish. But it's it's use that. Okay, well, let's use that. What what can we do? Use the crisis to create an opportunity. What can we do by losing him? Can we do something to actually enhance our chances of winning winning a premiership in the next two to three years? Yeah, as I said before, the Grundy thing is just intriguing. I don't know what I really want like to understand the plan. I'm not suggesting it's a bad plan. I just would like yeah. to understand it. I think it's it's interesting. And clearly uh Grundy has not worked playing forward for Collingwood. So I don't know if how if that's I don't think that can be part of the plan. Um, I think we've seen the stats on Gorn forward, and while we know he's 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 shown fit glimpses, and clearly <laughs> a preliminary final kick of five goals, but but you know a lot of those goals were actually played while he was playing in the ruck, not necessarily as a stay at home forward. So there's there's a you know there's a sense of okay, but how does this improve our forward forward line now? Unless there's something completely different here that we that we're missing you know and, and this is what i'm kind of excited about is that i wonder what it is is it is it we're actually going to play two ruckman um in different parts of the game i think that's quite exciting whatever whatever it is if it happens um is what does that look like how how, how can you use these two assets to do something different um we know we know how effective gone can be behind the ball and how that actually helps our defense our, our defense you know is there a is there a, a day when these two guys are actually running around, you know, effectively playing as two ruckmen in the one field, but not necessarily as staying on forward? I don't know. It's just it's just really interesting. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I think, as you said, turning turning this crisis into opportunity, and and the next question is always going to be like, what's he worth? And it was interesting to hear, you know, Mark Robinson talking the other night about the fact that Luke Jackson isn't worth two first round picks. Now, I don't know. What is going on about there? I can understand that Jacob Hopper isn't worth two first-round draft picks, but I think that the asking price for Luke Jackson, and I think the the way you know the request has gone through is that it's not to a particular club; it's to the state, which helps then the D's give a have a little bit of leverage, allowing you know West Coast and Frio to sort of put their best offers forward and and play play them off against each other, really as you like, but. I think that's got to be the asking price, and given how high he was when he went and his immediate impact into the side as soon as he came in, we all know what he did in the second half of that grand final as well too. And I know, as you mentioned there, like the second half of this year, but a little bit up and down, but he is still a very top end talent. And I think that Melbourne would be, yeah, I would hope that they they're gunning for two first round picks um, in in you know in response to that to to duly compensate themselves. Yeah, yeah, and and I think this is where it can actually turn around pretty quickly. Is that you, regardless of whether we think it's worth, worth two first round picks, there's no point underselling your first your first demands, are there? So go with that. The fact that it's it's um, it's Western Australia rather than Fremantle that he wants to wants to go home to, I think that's. I mean, it's it's better for creating tension competitive tension between west coast and Frio, which is what we want to drive a better deal i think it also probably helps the emotional um 
um, sort of relationship with with Jackson and and this whole trade that he that he said Western Australia because I yeah. think there's there's some a, a genuine feeling that well he he wants to go home um, yeah. because you know if it was I, I you know, as we've said before we've you know we've heard many people talk about why would you leave Melbourne at this point in time. I think it's clear that that's that's why he wants. It's not. There's nothing to do with the club and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, two first rounders. And the thing is, two first rounders can be turned into first round picks. These days can play significant roles in your team. And look, you know, look at Jake Bowie. Um, you know, in in twenty one. But you look at across the board. There's now um, Nick Dacos is probably a is an exception to the rule because because of how high end he was, he's he's yeah. effectively a number one pick, really. But it shows that there are guys that can step in and play quality minutes, and and I think we probably need you know a couple of a couple of young guys coming in that can put pressure pressure on your next tier midfielders, your, your sparrows and so forth, and and even spargos depending on what sort of player it is. That's that's sort of I think that's what we probably need, and um, if we decide to go down that path. But I think it's. I think it's more than reasonable to get to get to, because because uh, look, if West Coast get involved, yes, oh, but I, I can't see West Coast giving up their number two pick um, for Jackson. I just don't think it's mm. going to happen. Uh, so okay, we're looking at a sort of somewhere in the in the realms of of ten to, to eighteen. If we get two picks of that, I, I I can live with that. Yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because we'll, I mean, the two first rounders, but we probably get Grundy with one of those um, as a part of a trade. Um, but then with with Freo, they'll probably start knocking on the door. Considering, I mean, there's a lot of chatter about the player exodus. Um, there's what, four or five players ex- potentially going to be exploring trades. Um, so I suppose yeah, they, there is a potential chance that we could get two first rounders out of that type of deal. Um, how good would it be if we get picked two? I'll tell you what, just to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's a bit of chat I saw on the Melbourne groups with some key forward. I don't know if he's Victorian or anything, but um, yeah, it could be another player to come Is through. But Jai I suppose Mist, with all maybe? the key forwards, Jai Mist, no, 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 no. Current uh, part of the, part of the draft crop for the for the current oh. coming year. But yeah, Jai Miss is an interesting one. But he's a he's a WA boy. Otherwise, yeah. you know, he could be another one. But Van Royen's another WA boy, which. Gee, I'm hoping we actually sign up pretty soon because uh, we don't want to lose another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I let's let yeah let, let's hope he's enjoying it. Um, I look, I I think it's wishful thinking with the number two pick, but hey, if um if West Coast are really keen on him, it might it might be there. Yeah, you know, I, I can see them. I can see them dangling it to to blow Frio out of the water or, or drive Frio to making a a. a uh, a more lucrative deal, or to us to, to yeah. try and get it over the line. So, either way, um, having an auction is better than um, only having one buyer, isn't it? So that's right. And they could always split. I, I could see them potentially if, if they, you know, given that it's such a strong draft that they're saying as well this year. You know, splitting splitting the mm. pick as well too, which yeah. um, I'm sure it won't be the only club doing that as well too, taking advantage of that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all goes down. Uh, I'm just trying to think any other off-season focuses. We sort of talked about about the tinkers and game plan. It'll be interesting to see what they do around that. Um, one of the biggest things as well, too, I think the ball movement just 
ball movement being very safe as well too. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that let us down, you know, not being able to really be aggressive um, with that ball movement. And, and yeah, there, there is some certainly elements of the game plan. We talked about bombing it inside 50 and having the road, the right forward mix, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they come out with now that our game's been overanalyzed and our game plan has been pulled apart. Uh, you know, by the absolute nth degree by all opposition teams. Hopefully now we can kind of float under the radar a little bit and, and uh, try a few things, as you said, Shannon, before, well, like just throwing somebody in there to just to, to shake up the mix a little bit now that, um, you know, we didn't get to where we wanted to be. I think that's got to be, that's got to be the next option is to blooding some of those, some of those things and trying a few new things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And on the ball movement, you look at, Salem going down, what, in the first quarter of the season, or the first, sorry, first quarter of the first game of the season, and and, and never really recapturing it, um, even though he, he played the second half of the year more effectively. But it, he, he never he never got anywhere near his, what we know of Salem anyway. Um, so let's hope that he, he'll be back a, a, a more effective player. And really, I mean, I... I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, I thought Salem was was one of our best in the grand final, particularly in the first quarter when the heat was on. In the first quarter, he was the guy who I thought had the had the composure and 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 executed as well as anyone. Um, I, I just think he's such a key player to us, and, and having him missing and then down for all the year was was a blow. You had. Um, Bowie, who you know had a bit of second season blues, and I think, but I think he he is sort of the heir to to, to Salem in, in that role if that's what he ends up doing because of his, his sort of decision making. But but he you know he was he was down as well. So I think we we lost a lot off that off that um, that halfback line through those guys not being not being um, at their twenty one levels. Hundred percent. I think Salem's probably. Yeah, probably almost one of the more important players in that side. I mean, yeah, yeah, his last year was pretty much all Australian. He was forty man all Australian squad last year. Um, but then, yeah, I just think teams just took advantage of, I suppose, his lack of preparation across the season. I think, and just you even saw that with the two finals he played. He played, um, played both had I think twelve and eleven in both those games, and that's just not the Salem you know we know and. Yeah, you know, we're we're hoping that he goes to you know gets to work and you know gets back to that form because God we need him to be honest and I suppose yeah he's he's like he's pretty much like our Penabry. I feel like the game slows down when he gets it. Um, we're so assured, like it's so so assuring when he gets it. It's just you know we we know he's going to make the right decision and you know when he's not getting much of it or to be honest looked really timid um, against Brisbane. You just think that's just not the same when you know. He sets the scene for us, and um, and he didn't do it. Um, now I'm sure whether they come out and say it or not, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll somewhere internally he is, you know, he, he struggled to get back, and that was, and he and he never got back to a level of fitness that was actually going to get him run through games. And some guys can do it, and some guys can't do it with with that without that base. And he might be one of those guys that just can't can't do it without having that strong base. And that's that's not a knock on you; it's just the way your body is, really. Um, and having confidence in your body, so yeah, fingers crossed, he becomes like a new recruit next year. I do want to, I do want to touch on you, you talked about obviously your role as a 
journalist and and your yeah i suppose your passion for doing that deep dive journalism you wrote it you wrote a great article a couple of weeks ago or sort of towards the start of the month about max gorn and i suppose we can look at a little bit of the romance here and, and the current crop we've done a little bit of reflecting throughout the season about how special this group of players is but i suppose max gorn's role <clears throat> not only as as the melbourne captain but also as a ruckman in the game and, and the shape of the game as well too your article kind of, you know, was was revolving around where his spot really belongs in in the conversation of one of the greatest ruckmen, if not, um, you know, one of the greatest in the modern era. How how was that to sort of go through and and compare him to some of the greats that have ever played the game? And and yeah, I mean, it was a fascinating read, especially to see him how he stacks up against, especially the likes of Cox and Grundy and Nick Natanui and stuff. But how was it? Yeah, bit of a look in one of the greatest players that we've seen pull on the red and blue. You sort of end up trying to not write too much about your team because it becomes really obvious um and i and i think as much as i i had to do i had to do a story when we were going bad um after the basically after the three losses in a row i i do a piece with champion data each week and i, I sort of did the the deep dive into what what's going wrong or what's changed so and it, it's it's not easy to do, but I, but at the same time, because you watch, you know, you clearly watch your own team closer than you do others. You you actually have a pretty good handle on it. So I think with the Gorn one, I I when he got picked for his with the six all Australian, I just thought I just thought this is this is a, a sort of a moment in time which we we need to just take some stock and reflect on how good this guy is, and even if you know probably the end of his season wasn't. The greatest, you know, his greatest patch of, of, of form ever, but still, you know, six all Australians stacks up very well with everyone else, and we went we went into those stats and and we called it the seven year stretch. So across from that twenty sixteen season onwards, if you if you sort of look at things and say that the, the, the penny drops halfway through up to 2015 and he has that breakout game against Geelong, which we win, and he has a pretty decent rest of the season. But then 2016, there's this sort of, it's like he's a new person who's is finally worked out, I oh, know I can, I can actually play this game quite well and starts to set some really high standards for himself. Uh, and then, and Julie becomes an All-Australian and has, and has done that every year except the one year when he tore his hammy off the bone. Now that's, a level of consistency that's really only paralleled in, in modern times by Dean Cox. And I think it's acknowledged by everyone that Dean Cox is sort of seen as the, the greatest ruckman of the modern era and, and actually grouped with these historical figures like Simon Adam and Polly Farmer and John McCourse and these types of people is, is that um, Dean Cox is with them. So I suppose that the article was about, okay, well, where does, Gorn rank amongst his peers. Where does he rank in in comparison to Cox? And then, and look, you know, maybe there's some Melbourne bias coming out, but but he actually ranks ranks reasonably favourably with Cox um, on a, on a number of statistics. They both have six All Australians. They're both Premiership players, and you know, pretty much everything else at the moment. I think the the, the only knock you say is that Cox's peak kind of ran over ten years. Where okay, Max is a year seven hopefully we we get a couple more of, of Pete Max to come but uh, I think it's a legitimate question and, and he certainly does things that um that are over and above other Ruckman and I, I think I think it's it's a legitimate not me with my scarf on conversation that to say that 
Gorn is in the same league as Cox, which means he's in he's in the same conversation as the as the greats of all time. I think I think it'll you know when when we look back, he will be one of the greatest you know one of the few greatest Melbourne players of the last you know 50, 70 years. But he'll also be the sort of guy that's um, referred to as a ruckman of, of a generation, and there'll be a sort of the baton went from Cox to Gorn, and then it'll go to someone else. I think he sits he sits above Grundy. Um, he probably sits above Nat Nui. Yeah, he, I think he sits above Nat Nui. Um, though, you know, I, there might be different thoughts of that in Perth. But, but yeah, that's 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 where I see it. But certainly the, that's where the, sort of the stats sort of played out. So it was interesting to interesting to go into it and you try yeah. and do it in an objective way and not not think through your through your red and blue gla- um, glasses. But uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting exercise. It's definitely um, yeah. Even I think. The landscape that he's played in, and I suppose we've seen the total shift of how Ruckman have been used, and it's been one of those transformations of the game that's made it so exciting. We've you've gone from you know eras of having one one Ruckman just fisting the ball as, as far as they can, yeah. and you know old man would, would would like to say, but then you know now we're seeing yeah these really talented athletic Ruckman that can do you know more than just tap the ball to you know to the on ballers and and i think max has been a big part of that shift being able to uh you know go back and help out in the back line you think where where those stats match up with dean cox and he's got him pipped on contested marks and intercept marks whereas you'd think well dean cox has probably never thrown back like you know like given given those things about how he's being used and then you know his his little foray into the forward line as well too albeit mixed results is still showing that He's, yeah, I really like that you pointed out and it's probably something we forget about is that there's only one, you know, there's only one ruck position in the All-Australian as well too. So when you're getting recognised for that award, it's not, you, you haven't got four other midfielders that you're competing with. <laughs> you, it, I think you, your status is really solidified by being recognised as that. And it's not the be-all and end-all, but I think we can all agree being, for, for me as a Melbourne supporter, the first All-Australian member I can remember for obviously considerable amount of time, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, to now, as you mentioned, you, you hear the word six and you're like, shit, like that's, to have that six in seven years, whatever it is, it's it's incredible. And um, yeah. yeah, it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, it's an, it's an incredible run by him. And I think Rachman can sometimes be like the drummer in a band, like you know, <laughs> they just keep the beat going. Um, he But he's more than that. He's more than that. And, you know, preliminary final um game will go down as as one of the greatest ever ruck games slash one of the greatest ever individual performances in a final you know ever it, it, it just it, it was extraordinary now also a quick question now sorry just before you leave we do do a five and a flash um with our guests as well would you be happy to participate uh, yes, I'm saying yes. So, so it's five questions. Um, you're just going to say which which thing pops into your mind as quick as you can. Um, so first one. So pick a player from another team to join the D's in 2023. So essentially, who's your Mister Fix It for next year? Ooh, for us, Jeremy Cameron. Who's your favourite current player across the board and why? Ooh. Um, I, it doesn't have to be D. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think Clayton Oliver. I just, I just think he's that good and week in, week out. Yeah. It's hard to split the big three and I, and I, and I, I do really like Stephen May as well, but I, I think Oliver, 
Oh, this is my guy. <clears throat> nice pick. All right, if you were to bring a player back from the past, who would it be and why? Current, or I'll, D's player, should I say. I'll go left field because um, this is a guy whose um, number I had on, on my uh, Guernsey as a, as a little kid. Not the most highest profile. It's Stephen Stretch, number 18. Father of Billy, who who played a few games for us as well, played a couple of seasons. Stephen Stretch was a was a sort of a bit of a Christian Salem before his time, maybe, um, but was a very very good kick of the ball, and it was and he was yeah my favourite as a kid, and um, and I reckon he would go well in today's footy because he was just a brilliant disposal of the ball. He was actually quite different to his son; he wasn't a great kick of the ball, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, Stephen Stretch for old times' sake. Nice one. I've hit him up on Twitter a couple of times, so I've, I think I got I think I got spammed by Stephen Stretch, which was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a, a, a great moment in my life. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, next question, Simo, are you ready? You, you got it yeah, ready for ready. this. So uh, Simo's got a bit of a thing going around that he, he reckons he looks like Jack Viney. So we ask our we ask our guests. Um, he's got a comparison. He's got a side by side photo ready to go. Does Simo look anything like Jack Viney? Go, Sim. Yeah. So hang on. That's Jack on the left, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's Jack on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Same bloke. Oh, hang on. No, that's you. <laughs> you there look you more. Like, no, actually, you look more like Jack Viney than Jack Viney does. <laughs> there you go. Oh, nice one. We had, fun. we had, we found it. Yeah. Well, we had Caden McDonald in our 50th episode. Yeah. Not a chance. Nothing like him. And then we've, I think there's a couple of points back in your favor now. I think. So, yeah. I reckon, I reckon you're in the black there, mate. <laughs> Let's go. <clears throat> All right. Well, last one. Uh, grand final prediction with margin and winner. Um, head says, uh, head says, Actually, oh, no, this is a hard one. This is a really hard one. I, my head said Geelong up until the they played Collingwood, and then I went. I thought, no, um, this is that's a toss the coin job if they play again. Uh, so, look, I'm going to say Geelong only because I think they're the most likely to get there of of all the teams, as in they're the best bet to to win this week. I don't think I just don't think I think Brisbane's run has to has to run out at some point. Uh, so I think, yeah, say Geelong and I'll say three goals, whoever they play against. Doesn't necessarily mean I want Geelong to win the grand final, <laughs> but uh, but that's that would be my prediction at this point. But I think it goes out the window depending on – if Collingwood played Geelong in the grand final, I think it's a genuine toss of the coin. Um, I'd need to watch Sydney again to see just whether I, you know, whether I think that's the same if Sydney gets through. Yeah. But then, hey, Brisbane and Sydney could get through, and we could have a, <laughs> a, a, a completely different grand final. Oh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, just you just know the atmosphere wouldn't be the same, would it? That, that's it's, <laughs> it's funny. I, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind. No, it. no. <laughs> anyway, I, I still think a Geelong Collingwood grand final would be brilliant to go. It'd be yeah. I, I think I think yeah. The it's last nice. One was brilliant. Nice, yeah. nice knowing having said yeah. Well, that's right. The prelim is still probably one of the best. Um, was it back in oh eight? I think is still one of the best games I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Incredible. So. No. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you again so much. It's uh, yeah, an absolute pleasure talking footy and all things around that. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best with the rest of your journalism.
career and make sure all our listeners go and check out Shannon's uh, great work out at codesports.com.au. But most importantly, D supporter as well too. But um, yeah, now we'll enjoy the rest of the footy finals, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thanks, guys. Anytime. And uh, I'm sure we'll be back bigger and better next year.